1: Welcome to the Probably Unfair Podcast. My name is Kyle Posey. I have a new co-host, a better co-host, Kate Maju. <laughs> Kate, what up? What's going on?
0: What is up? I don't know about better, but uh, I'm here and I'm I'm ready to ready to talk football. So that I, I think that counts for a little bit
1: of everything. How's it going? I'm doing great, Kate. We need to tell the listener about your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Who is Kate?
0: Oh, gosh. I've been asking myself this for 29 years now. Still haven't come up with a great answer. Um, I am the editorial coordinator over at DraftKings Nation. Super excited. They brought me on uh, this past October. Has been an amazing experience here with the the DraftKings Nation team, uh, SB Nation team, Vox Media. Such a cool experience. Uh, I'm actually a nurse by trade, so that's a fun fact. Uh, I I quit my full time nursing job back in in October for this job. So this is my this is my little adventure, and I'm I'm having fun because I get to talk football and really cool sports stuff for a living, which is like kind of the dream I think. It right? is.
1: I would say that is true. There there is zero stress that you have to worry about in the football world. So DraftKings does that make you a degenerate?
0: It does absolutely. I've been yes. a degenerate forever. I just. Can formally sort of uh, assume the title, which feels nice. It it does. It feels like I get to really iron in a piece of my identity. Like I said, I've been working on that for a while, so.
1: You are a professional degenerate, so welcome (laughs) as always. So, we are going to talk about free agency because the last week the NFL signed a billion players, and me and Kate are going to talk about some of the teams that improved the most and some of the teams that did not. And we are looking at you, Raiders. We will get to you later, but (laughs) let's start off with the good. So, Kate, we're going to go countdown style. Who is your first team, and maybe I should phrase this better, your fifth team, because we're in countdown from five to one, that improved?
0: I'm actually going to switch this up. So I, I'm going to switch up our show notes a little bit. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers. I am super pumped for what they've done with their offensive line. You've got yourself a franchise quarterback. I think we saw that very clearly last season. Uh, even, even though the record didn't necessarily play out, I think – Justin Herbert definitely outplayed his record last season. He looked phenomenal. I To get him two solid pieces on the offensive line, I think is just such a, a strong move, such a strong statement. Because overall, man, did we... I, I feel like the last game of the season, the Super Bowl, just left a very big impression upon all of us and just how important offensive line can be for your quarterback. But, I mean, they've got... Uh, <laughs> Gosh, they added uh, Corey Lindsley, Matt Fieler. Um, They did lose Mike Pouncey to retirement officially. He wasn't there with, with them last season. But uh, I just think having those those key pieces, Corey Linsley, he's one of my favorite uh, pieces uh, in offense in general uh, over the free agency period, formerly with the Packers. I think he's going to have an opportunity to make a, a really solid impact on uh, the, just the development of their rookie quarterback. Cause I think, man, I am so excited for what he showed us last season. And I, I think the sky is going to be the limit for this kid if they can keep him healthy and protected.
1: Yeah, I think Herbert, the peace of mind with Corey Lindsay is the big part here. So he doesn't have to worry about running for his life. I mean, we saw a little bit, you know, Herbert do that last year and he had to do that some in Oregon. So um, only having to focus on throwing to Keenan Allen and not dropping back 15 yards, scrambling for your life makes a big difference. So you went with the Chargers and I'm going to go with the 49ers at number five. And just because they brought back a lot of their players, they didn't. Heading into the offseason, a lot of people didn't think they'd be able to retain a lot of their players simply because Jimmy Garoppolo's contract, they were able to work around D Ford's contract, create some space in that way, and and just retain One Williams. They just signed on Wednesday morning, uh, Jaquas Tare. so there's two starters right there. And Trent Williams, obviously, is a big one. So their left tackle is set in stone. And Emmanuel Mosley, Jason Verrett, you can go on and on. So they're, quote-unquote, keeping the band together. While that might may not seem smart for a 6-10 and team, but they're betting on, essentially, a lot of their players to stay healthy. So let's move on here. Who is your number four team, Kate, that improved the most?
0: I'm going to go with the New York Giants. I'm super pumped to see what the Giants are going to be up to in the coming season. Uh, I I think they did a couple of really interesting things. I think they made some moves to improve on defense. I love the signing of Adoree Jackson lining up uh, uh, across from James Bradbury. I think that's a really just a a solid move. Uh, You've got great secondary now. They got Leonard Williams on his long-term deal. Uh, he was PFF's most, uh, fifth most highly graded run defender last season to have him locked up under a, uh, a long-term deal. You don't have to fight about the, uh, the franchise tag anymore. I think that's such a huge, huge part. And I mean, let's talk about what they did offensively. They signed Kenny Galladay, which, uh, Kenny Galladay got himself paid $18 million a year for a wide receiver in this free agency period where we're, we're a little, short on cash from pretty much all all sides of the ball here. I, I think Kenny Galladay was one of the best signings you could have had because you're giving, this is Daniel Jones time, put up or shut up. Let's give you a, a true wide receiver one. Let's see what you can do with it. And and if you can't work with Kenny Galladay, then I think they at least have you know some answers for their franchise and the direction they want to go. I think they did a lot with I mean, they didn't have a ton of cap space or, or really anywhere to move in terms of that that situation. There, I love what they were able to accomplish there with uh, a, a smaller budget. I think they did a great job.
1: Let me let me ask you about Kenny Galladay because that's a player who I struggle with when I watch. I'm not sure how good he is. I know he's good, but I don't know how good he is. So let me put you on the spot: over under a thousand yards. Let's say. A 1,050 yards just to middle it here for Kenny Galladay (laughs) next year.
0: I'll say over uh, if he stays healthy. Kenny Galladay, I just think he gives Daniel Jones a a true number one target. I think regardless of sort of your your belief of Daniel Jones, I think this move does raise Daniel Jones' floor a bit as a quarterback. I think it makes him a little bit safer. And I think it gives you a a true chance to develop – uh, or, or see if he has the potential to develop as a quarterback. This is what the Bills did last season. I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is bound for a breakout season like Josh Allen, but I think that they sort of followed the similar pattern, right? Where they're just trying to see what do we have. We invested uh, this this high draft pick in this guy, but we don't know what he can really do. This is the moment where uh, Kenny Galladay helps us find out and. I think it's a good move for fantasy, too. I I think he's going to see some volume. I think Kenny Galladay is going to be an interesting play because the Giants aren't sexy, but they're making these moves that are sort of low-key sexy.
1: Yeah, I think Galladay is going to have to get volume just by default in that sense. But, I mean, if if Danny Dimes can't produce now, then when will he ever produce? So, I'm going to go with Cleveland because they desperately needed to add some team speed, and they did that. So, they signed... John Johnson from the Rams, who is a very, very good player. They also, I mean, when in doubt, just signed players from the best defense in the NFL. So they signed Troy Hill as well. And those are two guys that will help them in the secondary. They, they also added Tack McKinley, Malik Jackson, Anthony Walker. And they, they I think they did a nice job of bringing back uh, Rashard Higgins, who is a, another very underrated player. Uh, how about this? Who will be a better value next year, Rashard Higgins or Kenny Galladay?
0: Ooh, uh. I'm going to, I'm still going to roll with oh, value. See value is such a tricky word because yeah, it is,
1: it's a trap because
0: oh, honestly, like as it stands right now, you have to consider the fact that, I mean, Richard Higgins might not even be drafted in your fantasy leagues, but he's just been such a key player. And I think he showed off a lot of just real NFL chemistry, even when it wasn't exciting for fantasy football, he, uh, he had a nice rapport with Baker Mayfield. I think he's just a really reliable, like you said, underrated signing. So I think bringing him back was huge. Uh, but honestly, more interesting, especially if if maybe I know we we've sort of all written OBJ off as Brown. I feel like we're we've all sort of been in the camp where we think he's headed out of town probably. Uh, that could make Richard Higgins a massive massive value. And it honestly could do the same for Austin Hooper. We're looking at a a tight end who was one of the best best receiving tight ends in the league. Not too long ago, he was in a, a new offense. Lost his appendix last season at a knee injury. I think all over the field, like they they've got some big time playmakers. I'm excited to see the Browns next season. I don't really think that 2020 was a fluke, but it might be because I went to school in Cleveland, and I just love Cleveland. They're, <laughs> they're a good town. They're such a good town, but I think uh, they're they're making strides to put together a really complete picture of their football team, and I, I really like the moves they're making.
1: So where are you going to go for your third team? We've gone through a few here. What's next on the docket here, Kate?
0: I'm going to go with Washington. I love, love, love what they've done on uh, particularly offense because we saw last season their defense – They've got some some big playmakers, Chase Young. I think he's really going to make a great leader for their team. Uh, I mean, year one to come out and have a guy that I think just uh, carried that team spirit the way that he did. I was, I was really impressed with just his overall leadership. But uh, Washington, I think the move to bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick was so, like, fantastic. You don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Maybe they, uh, you know, make some moves in the draft. Maybe they get a guy like Mac Jones. But I think when you're looking at uh, building from a, a franchise perspective, bringing in a veteran like Ryan Fitzpatrick, even if he, uh, like, let's just say he doesn't start the whole season, let's say uh, he doesn't start at all, I still think he's probably one of the best vets you could have brought into your program uh, to be a, a leader and sort of they needed a fresh start. They they really needed a fresh start. Um, and I, I think they're sort of on their way to doing that. But uh, also the signing of Curtis Samuel, uh, get a guy who's really dynamic and you're going to put him in the same offense as Antonio Gibson, who's also dynamic. You <laughs> you could put the two of those guys in the backfield and you don't know what's going to become a next because uh, they're both capable rushers and receivers. So uh, I think they could be doing some really interesting things, but Fitzpatrick could be really sneaky for fantasy football, and I, I not even afraid to say it.
1: <laughs> I think that you have been listening to the pubcast because we don't. I don't think we've gone an episode without talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is a pro pro Ryan Fitzpatrick show. So I had Washington at number two. And a lot of that is because I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will do great for them because he will just close his eyes, throw fadeaway passes to Terry McLaurin. But now (laughs) he has Curtis Samuel, who I think has been proven to be one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL. Uh, McLaurin was number six last year in yards after catch Samuel was number 24 so those two are just going to have a field day I imagine in that offense and we haven't even talked about them adding William Jackson who was one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL last year and he did sign for a lot of money three years 40 million dollars but with what that with what Washington needs and in that division he's going to be tasked to guard some you know difficult receivers so they needed a guy who could do that so a big Washington fan just as far as what they've done this offseason I'm not sure if they are going to draft a quarterback or not but with having Fitzmagic they they have the luxury of you know trying to do what's best or quote unquote best available player I'm going to go with Denver, actually, and change it up a little bit because I like what they've done just by adding, just staying on the secondary here, adding cornerbacks. So they were atrocious last year in the secondary. So they signed Kyle Fuller, who is a very, very good player. They also added Ronald Darby, formerly of Washington, who did play very well last year as well. So um, AJ Bouye out the door, replacing those two with Fuller, replacing them with Darby. Justin Simmons signed a big deal. Good for him. And Shelby Harris, man. So they, Shelby Harris, very good player. Another guy that we've we've talked about here. I believe he was on one of our um, football guy guys in the defensive uh, on the defensive side of things. So now um, Denver doing a good job of bringing back their core and also adding talent. Where are you going to go for your second team, Kate?
0: Oh, oh, this this is this is a tough one. Oh man, I, I kind of want to steal steal your answer a little bit with the Jets. Um, I, I I like what the Jets are doing to set themselves up for a, a fresh beginning. I don't like i I wanna just throw that entire team out the window, um, like for <laughs> real, for real. But I I do like the fact that they brought in like a, a Corey Davis who if you are going to be giving Sam Darnold a shot and and actually uh, you know, I said this with uh with Daniel Jones, if you're going to give your quarterback a shot and and really say like this is this is the year where you can show me i think Corey davis is a really underrated asset in terms of a guy that can just make your quarterback a better player um you know they've they've had all these these flashes quinn and williams they've they've had all of these little pieces that have uh sparkled and shined but together they haven't made a very pretty picture so I, I like the moves that they're making from a an offensive perspective, though. I do think, I mean, what they've done so far, they haven't done anything for the the running back position. Do you think they draft a running back in the first or second round this year? I I
1: don't There's know. Some good I think ones. they're. So Najee Harris would be great for them. There's no doubt about it. I think with the Jets, so they have, you know, Robert Sala is now their defensive minded coach, but they brought in like a Shanahan style of offensive coordinator. So I imagine they're going to go the Shanahan route and kind of wait. Corey Davis said he signed under the impression that Sam Darnold would be the quarterback. If you are a free agent, based on what you've seen from Sam Darnold, How do you come to that conclusion is what I (laughs) want to ask you, knowing that. Uh, I mean, Sam Darnold, he he could be very, very good, but we've seen him be very, very bad. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of hope in that sense. But what do you you think about Corey Davis saying that?
0: I think it's interesting. It makes me think, because when we're looking at what we've seen from Darnold just on the field, uh, we haven't seen enough to make me think that, yes, he's the guy moving forward. So the fact that Corey Davis did say that just makes me wonder if it, that was something that, you know, came more conversationally uh and that was like the vibe from the team that they are giving him a a shot to be the starter because I just think I <sighs> I don't know. It, it would be a weird bet to to roll with. Like, I wouldn't want to put my money on Sam Darnold unless I had some like insider trading information. <laughs> uh, but Corey Davis, you know, if if he doesn't play with Sam Darnold, his ceiling's probably a bit higher. But from a, a free agency perspective, and from uh, you know just the the perspective of trying to evaluate. Uh, Sam Darnold is a quarterback. I think Corey Davis is probably one of the more underrated signings of free agency. He had a really, really good uh, final season with the Titans and sort of caught everybody off guard. I mean, maybe this is the the move that uh, it's not a Kenny Galladay signing by any means, but hey, he's he's got the draft capital. Uh, maybe maybe this is his move to you know see what Sam Darnold's made of if he can make him better. And elevate. If not, the Jets know they can move on and they're moving on with uh, a really talented head coach that I think could uh, send them in the right direction as, as well as you possibly could for the New York Jets.
1: I liked your point about saying that Davis makes the quarterback better because I think he got a bad rap just, you know, from where he was drafted. He was drafted really high and he was expected to be a superstar. So people treated him as if he should produce as a superstar. But he was just a really solid player. And yeah, I don't think Tannehill has the season he does without him. And obviously, AJ Brown is great, but Davis deserved a lot of credit. So and obviously, we also have to talk about them signing Carl Lawson who is a very, very underrated player. And I I don't think he will be underrated for too much longer with Robert Salas. So my number one team is going to be probably the same as everyone else's, the Patriots. But the reason I say that is because they were so bad last year from a talent perspective that they had no other choice but to spend all of this money in free agency. So Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are probably, you know, the bigger names that we we're going to talk about. So Cam Newton has two tight ends to throw to, and he also has Nelson Aguilar. He has Kendrick Bourne. So they they went out and signed pretty much four wide receivers or pass catchers, we'll call them, who will be able to help right away. The team also spent big money on Matt Judon, so now they have a pass rusher. They're going to get some guys back who opted out last year. Uh, they're going to probably have to shuffle around to of the offensive line, but. Um, they, they replaced Marcus Cannon with Trim Brown. I would say that that's an upgrade. And if, if you're just expecting a better version of Cam now that he has, you know, better weapons to throw to, I, I would say that the Patriots were probably the, the team that improved the most, but with a caveat that they, it would have been tough for them to get worse based on the product <laughs> that they put on the field. Who, yeah, who you your need top that, team? that
0: subtext there. I think I yeah. gotta go with the Patriots too. There's no way you don't go with the Patriots. Um, and I think a part of that does have to do with the fact that there's nowhere else to go. At, when you're at your lowest, there's nowhere else to go but up. Um, but I mean, the Patriots. Let's look at like what they were trying to accomplish. I mean, Bill Belichick. He uh, he's he's utilized that two tight end scheme before, and I think you probably couldn't find two better. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say the names. I'm not going to say uh, <laughs> Gronkowski and Hernandez. I'm not going to say it, but uh, let's just say like that's if that's the style of football that they want to play right now. I think you couldn't have found two uh, better tight ends to do that. I think I mean, Belichick has spoken so highly of Johnny Smith in the past. He said he's he's one of the most versatile tight ends uh, in in football. And, it, you know, he can you can use them all over the field, which is so true. Hunter Henry, I think, is going to be a great uh, a great uh, just a possession guy for that offense. And Cam Newton, I think he's probably the most underrated signing. And this is—it sounds really gross because we haven't liked to watch Cam Newton play football. But I mean, Cam Newton is such a great competitor. I think the way they structured his deal is really interesting too. Uh, you can give him give him a little bit more money, but leasing that deal with incentives, I think, is a a really smart move for a man as competitive as Cam Newton. If it doesn't pan out, great—you save some money. If not, uh, you're giving Cam Newton some of that money that he deserves. But I mean, we forget he—he he was sitting at two and one. I know it's—it's it's a very small sample sample size, but he was sitting at two at one before he got COVID, um, and he admitted right out of the gate that 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 time away from the team just sort of destroyed that momentum that he had started to build with his receivers. I mean, it, when Jacoby Myers is your leading receiver, <laughs> that's a problem. And, yeah. I mean, Nikhil Harry, he is not panned out, can't separate. There's just so many different uh, players in that, that offense. Hopefully, you know, I don't think we're all uh, forgetting about Julian Edelman, too. I feel like it's as if he's retired, but he hasn't technically retired. So uh, imagine a healthy Julian Edelman back because I feel like he's never going to retire either. Um, I, I think you're looking at what could be a much better Cam Newton and I mean you you just can't understate what he was able to do with his legs and I mean putting two tight ends like Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith in front of him that works that works I like it
1: yeah I think you had a great point about Cam and just dealing with COVID because when he played early in the season in those first three games he looked like the Cam of old he looked like almost an MVP type of You know, MVP type of player against the Seahawks in that game that was on prime time. And then, you know, the more he played and when he came back, he didn't look the same. And it's almost as if COVID has an effect on your body. Who knew? (laughs) And as we mentioned, they didn't have any... NFL receivers, they had practice squad tight ends. It looked like he had no place to go with the football. And he was still valuable with his legs, as you mentioned. And that does matter. We can't ignore that because he scored a lot of touchdowns on the ground. And he created plays in short leverage or high leverage situations that were short yardage. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see what the Patriots look like next year. Because we know, we know that they're going to be competitive because they're competitive with a bad roster this year. So um, they're probably not going to be as good as Bills, but I wouldn't rule out them you know, sneaking into the playoffs. So we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we are going to get back to more NFL teams. But this time, talk about the teams that did not do so hot. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, The teams, and we will call them. WTF did you do, teams? Because <laughs> there were there was a lot of money spent, and not every team in the NFL spent their money wisely. So, Kate, why don't you kick us off? Which team made you scratch your head, and who's the number five?
0: Uh, this team, actually, I didn't throw them on the show doc, but I was inspired uh, by by just my brain. I'm gonna go with my own NFL fandom. The Pittsburgh Steelers. What yes. did you do, guys? Uh, and it's not a, a matter of the money they spent because they didn't have any money to spend. Uh, it was just a weird, uh, a weird assortment of roster moves in free agency that has just made me say, "WTF did you do?" Uh, they bring Ben Roethlisberger back, res- restructure that deal, uh, draw it out even further. I-, I think I speak for every Pittsburgh fan. Ben Roethlisberger does not need to count. Uh, another season towards our cap space because that's just sort of how we've been playing this the whole time. But, uh, now you've got pieces of the, the offensive line gone. You've got, uh, uh, you've got Bud Dupree left, uh, didn't, didn't repeat that franchise tag. You brought Juju back. I, I think they dismantled their entire defense in a very odd way, uh, that you wouldn't consider uh to be a, a smart move, but then they brought offensive weapons like Ben and, and Juju back when I think we're all looking at the the Steelers as a, a defensive powerhouse, not an offensive powerhouse. Uh and then they uh Mike Hilton gone. They they've just got so many different pieces that they let either walk, uh, or or cut. And I don't think any of these moves make sense in terms of constructing a narrative for what they're trying to accomplish as a football team
1: based on what we all saw from big ben last year why would you resign him <laughs> like in the simplest terms what did you see from big ben to make you want to be like yep let's do that again
0: yeah and you know i think like it, you're looking at uh you know a An older quarterback, obviously, you know, I think one of the more underrated storylines of last season, we forget Ben got injured. I think both of his knees, he ended up with uh, some sort of MCL injury or something like that. And I feel like that was when we really started to see uh, the play decline. They spent, you know, so much effort getting the ball out so quickly that, you know, there were there was no room for any plays to develop uh, for one of the most talented wide receiver cores in the NFL um, I mean, Steven Nelson was released yesterday. Like what it, it it's just so, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Steelers. What are you doing? I need to know. <laughs> Cause it just doesn't make sense. I, like, I, like you said, I, I don't know what you saw last season out of the offense that, uh, would, would lead you to believe they could be better if you brought Ben back again. And you ruin the defense. I'm I'm a very uh, uh I'm a grumpy Steelers fan for now. So I'll I'll kick it back to you because I I need to <laughs> cool down here.
1: Well, it it doesn't make sense because they also paid Zach Banner two uh, two years nine point five million, but he, he just like never played. Like wh- what are you? He what tore you he tore his of?
0: ACL. I like towards the end of last season too. So it's just a weird. It's a very weird assortment of moves. And you know what? I feel like it always works out for the the Steelers. So maybe nobody's grading them as harshly as we might grade other teams. Because we, I feel like every single season you look at the Steelers and you're like, I don't really understand what you're doing there. But it it generally works out and they, they end up with a, a winning record. But just really weird, weird, weird combination of moves this season. Not feeling it.
1: Sounds like they have a good coach and he high, he masks a lot of their deficiencies. And yeah, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of Nelson. He's a really good player, so that whole situation was very bizarre what went on on Tuesday. So, let's move on. Uh, enough Steelers talk for the month. <laughs> let's go to the, I'm going to say the Tennessee Titans because, again, I didn't know what their plan was here, much like the Steelers. I don't know what they were shooting for, so love Janoris Jenkins. Think he is a very good, possibly great cornerback even at this age, but they let Corey Davis out of the door, uh, Adam Humphreys, Johnny Smith, and both of their starting cornerbacks, so Malcolm Butler and Adore Jackson, and that could very well be addition by subtraction, but you, you brought up Bud Dupree. That is another player that I've always struggled with just as far as is he that good or is he feeding off of the likes of TJ Watt and the other three to four players that are really good on the Steelers front. Uh, so a lot of his pressure seems like comes from unblocked. So I don't know if the Titans need to have like a little buyer beware as far as Dupree goes, but I, I think that the Titans are set for some uh, regression here. Uh, where Where would you go with that or who is your next team on the list?
0: I do want to I, I want to tack on to the Titans here because I think they uh the move to pay Derrick Henry all of that money when you're going to let pretty much the rest of uh your offense walk it it's troublesome to me Uh AJ Brown I think might be one of the best values in fantasy football next season even though he's going to be drafted as a top 10 wide receiver I mean they have nowhere else to go with the ball it's going to be all Derrick Henry and it is going to be all AJ Brown I the, That's all there's left to the skeleton that is their roster. I think they have to make some moves uh, probably in the draft. Uh, I was saying Elijah Moore. I would just love to see Elijah Moore out of Old Miss with the Titans, uh, you know, with A.J. Brown and with a strong run game. I think he'd be a really, really exciting fit for them. Uh, But really, the number of pieces that they let walk when you're, it feels like you're Uh, You know, a sneeze away from at least a Super Bowl run um, and maybe a a trip to the Super Bowl. I don't know that you'd win it, but you had so many pieces in line and and to have so many of them walk at the same time. It's it's troublesome.
1: So I'm going to go with. The Bengals next because I've seen for whatever reason uh, Bengals fans think that they're a destination franchise and that people want to <laughs> willingly move to Cincinnati and play with Joe Baby it's on that Burrow, Joe Burrow fever, man. <laughs> but at, what effect did he have? So they signed Mike Hilton, but other than that, like who is the player? Like they signed Trey Hendrickson, who's like like he's okay, he's solid, but he's not a guy when you think of like the top edge rushers. That's a guy that you know he's going to be the sack master. Yes, he had a sack a. High ISAC total... But again, that's more of a buyer beware. They lost Carl Lawson, who I, I would say is significantly better than Trey Hendrickson. They lost William Jackson, who is a significant upgrade from Mike Hilton. So it seems to me that the Bengals are just going to be the Bengals again, even if they do sign Chidobi Awoze. That's not going to be a guy who's going to move the needle as far as stopping wide receivers and Riley Reef. Like that's that is their offseason when they had a ton of cap space. So uh, Bengals are still going to be in the basement of the a- AFC North to me
0: I think that's a hundred percent accurate it feels like all of the moves they made it was sort of like tit for tat it, it just doesn't you made no you didn't move the needle whatsoever unless you moved it in the wrong direction um, I mean they they could have spent some time working on their offensive line they could have spent some cash working on their offensive line to protect their new franchise quarterback don't know it, it just felt like there wasn't really a plan there whatsoever. Uh, Bengals are never really a team that spend up in free agency, but I, I think there were plenty of interesting names here, uh, especially on you know the offensive line, that they could be considering who they just haven't uh, – they're not making calls. I, maybe they are, but
1: we're not seeing it. Yeah, maybe that is just ignorance from the head coach because we – I mean, you watch the Bengals because you are a Steelers fan and – you know that their offensive line was not good. You know that Burl was running for his life, much like he did at LSU. So that was, it was surprising to see them, you know, I don't know if passive is a word in free agency. Maybe they were aggressive and they just couldn't close, but, um, it's, it's going to be a long season for the Bengals. Let's move on. And again, we've, t- we spent way too much on the Bengals. Hopefully we never <laughs> have to talk about that team again. Wh- who's next on your list?
0: I got to go with the Raiders. Uh, yes. talk about a bunch of, like lateral moves. I, I think they made a ton of lateral moves. Uh, you know, you you get rid of Nelson Aguilar, you sign John Brown, all right. Um, you you've signed Kenyon Drake, uh, to, you know, who I think actually could be a really underrated, like one A, one B situation. I think he and Josh Jacobs could pair really well, but you decimate your offensive line in the process. There's no narrative here that I'm following that makes sense from a, a you know, a, a roster construction standpoint. Um, you know, you have Derek Carr who had uh, I think 70% of his passes from a clean pocket last season. That was top 12 in the league. And now you, uh, you traded away two offensive linemen, another one, you know, he's, he's out. I, I just don't understand what the plan is for the offensive line. Cause I just don't think they have uh, enough, Draft capital, it's not like you can rebuild this whole offensive line uh, and, and get a center and a, a tackle. There's no way to do that with uh, just within the draft, I think, based on the volume of needs that they have. Yannick Ngakwe, I think, is a, a underrated defensive signing. I like that move, but honestly, that's probably one of the only uh, moves that I really, I, I really like by the Raiders at this point. And it still feels like they've had a lot of transactions, which is weird.
1: Yeah, I think – so Yannick – I had the Raiders at number two on my list. So Yannick is good, but how good is he going to make the Raiders? Like how much better is that defense going to be by adding a Yannick and Gakway? So you, there's no way as a team, just structurally speaking that you are going to improve when you are, when you have a turnover of like four of your five offensive line starters. So um losing Gabe Jackson is going to be huge. Losing Rodney Hudson, who is arguably the best center in the NFL is going to be a big, big blow. So had no idea what the plan was there and, and their prize free agency signing in on the offense is either John Brown or Kenyon Drake. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> so and and again, I actually do agree with you when you were talking about Drake, and I think that they can use him in the passing game, and like he'll be a good target for Der, uh Derek Carr. But is if that's what you're basing your offense off of, how <laughs> successful are you going to be? Especially in a division where you have to go and beat Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, good luck with that, Raiders. I am going to go to the Bears, who, again, more head-scratching moves, not sure what their plan was. All off season, we've heard about how unhappy Allen Robinson is. They made a strong push for Kenny Galladay, and Robinson signed his franchise tag, probably assuming that that was going to happen. And they missed out on him. They didn't do anything. They're, who's the best signing for the Bears? Maybe Mario Edwards Jr.? Because it sure <laughs> wasn't Andy Dalton. In no scenario is Andy Dalton going to be the best signing that you have. So that, that's scary to think about them having Dalton as their starting quarterback, knowing that, you know, this, it's a strong quarterback draft. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, losing Kyle Fuller hurts. Um yes they signed Desmond Trufant but that, I mean that's a significant downgrade maybe the real loss for the bears is them not being able to acquire Russell Wilson because um going from Wilson but a potential of Wilson at quarterback to Andy Dalton just has to be such such it's a It's like we fell off of a cliff sadness. there. Yeah <laughs> we, yeah I we did,
0: were we were in store for like such a an exciting move cuz I mean when you pair uh some of those those defensive assets with a a true star on offense, like I, I have to imagine that uh, Russell Wilson and uh, in, in congruency with the the defense there could have uh, led them to a nice playoff run. But it, I mean, the drop off from Russell Wilson to Andy Dalton is is quite steep, and that's not to say that I I don't dis- I I don't dislike Andy Dalton, but uh, the the drop off is is absolutely horrendous so I I think it, it's definitely been an interesting scenario because it it's just sort of like again uh much like the other teams we've already discussed to this point what is your goal here I don't know I can't figure it out
1: all right that leaves one team left and we have you not all know who talked it is. about <laughs> the Texans yet <laughs> <laughs> so, we have to talk about the Texans. What what are they doing? Like what is the goal here? What is their plan? Again, if we're just if we're going based off the best player they sign, who is it? Is it a linebacker? Is it a slot cornerback who cannot run? What what are the Texans doing, Kate?
0: I genuinely I don't know. Um I mean, the Texans have made so many moves and I I had to do a a, a write-up. I was looking at uh, you know, the notable free agent signings for the Texans. And I was like, uh I don't know, like, who qualifies as as notable? I It's so hard to say in this uh, current situation for the Texans. They've got, like, a, a ton of problems anyway. Um, even ahead of all of this uh, Deshaun Jackson, or gosh, Deshaun Watson situation, you had plenty of questions about was he even going to play for you to begin with? Now just throw in the fact that I mean you it feels like they just sort of um you know when you're you're trying to clean up your toys but you're not trying to do a good job as a child and you just grab <laughs> the pile of of junk on your floor and shove it in the closet. I feel like that's what they were trying to do when they cleaned up their team like you didn't do a very good job uh, you just you made a bigger mess in your closet than you actually did by you know you could have just cleaned up the room a little bit. Um, and that's what it feels like the Texans did because they made moves, but uh, I, I don't know if I like any of them. I mean, just the the ways that they're going about it. I mean, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, it's just such a random assortment of, Seriously. of players. Tyrod Taylor, I think he's a, a good insurance policy. Dante Moncrief, like, you know, you, you have uh, Brandon Cooks there, who's a, a very capable wide receiver. You've got... Um, you know one of the the more interesting uh now running back cores in the league but it it's just none of these pieces fit together for me in terms of a, a an offense that's uh, working in any uh discernible way and i mean the defense what do you what are you gonna do with the defense you have uh, no jJ watt i i don't know what you have no centerpiece to your team at this point, and it's
1: it's troubling. Yeah, they, they went from throwing to Will Fuller, and now they're going to throw to his replacement, Andre Roberts. That pretty much sums up the Texans' <laughs> offseason because they're throwing a lot of you-know-what at the wall and hoping it sticks with these low-level mm-hmm. signings, but, but that's just not how you remake your rosters with low-level signings and free agency. They're going to have to build through the draft. There's no doubt about that, but I just – man, they have a lot of – they they don't have a lot of talent on the team, so it's going to be very hard for them to compete. And if Deshaun is not there, we are looking at what could look like an exhibition team. So, um,
0: Oh, Bill O'Brien, his presence is going to be felt
1: by the Houston <laughs> Texans
0: for a very long time to come. Because, I mean, like you said, this is a team that has so many different needs on both sides of the ball that you have to rebuild through the draft. I don't think there was any, uh, you know, one move they could have made in free agency that would have necessarily made their team that much better it's just it's all of these low level signings it's it's about the volume of low level signings instead of trying to go out and uh you know get you know some quality quality players um you could assign one or two quality pillar players uh, continue to build around them in the draft um but even from the draft perspective they don't they don't have a lot of draft picks that like that's the problem with rebuilding for the texans so I just, I don't know what the answer is for them, but uh, not a great start for Nick Casario.
1: Not at all. He's going to have an upfield battle, but he knew what he was getting himself into. Like, that's, I I don't feel sorry for him at all. So, (laughs) if you missed it, we just recapped some of the best and worst signings. We had the Patriots, Washington's football team, the Jets, the Browns, the Giants, the Chargers, and the 49ers as some teams that we felt like strongly improved, whereas, the Raiders, the Texans, the Bears, the Bengals, um, the Titans. And we had – there was a few other teams that we didn't mention that probably we could have had, like, what are the Packers doing? Um, but you could always say that about the Packers in the offseason. So <laughs> uh, that that should do it for us. Thank you, Kate. Is there anything that you want to plug before we get out of here?
0: Uh, yeah, go ahead. Give me a follow on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And uh, check out our work. We're doing lots of exciting uh, free agency uh work over at DraftKings nation as you guys are at sb nation so stay tuned we've got lots of moves to make uh and and lots of draft content coming up so uh, definitely definitely tune in
1: yeah we'll be segueing to the draft here as that's you know that's about a month away so we're gonna be focused on that coming up thank you as always for listening please rate subscribe review wherever it is that you get your podcast thank you for listening